I don't need to tell you how hard the last year has been or how hard next year is going to be. Most of us know people who have died from COVID-19 have long haul health issues because of that, have lost a family member, suffer from some kind of uh, other illness. It's a, we've lost income in a, a volatile economy. Much of the US is separated into red and blue uh, silos. Black Lives Matter, but the daily news is full of examples of violence and injustice to our black siblings. These outrages will not be magically solved by hanging up a new calendar on January 1st. As St. Louis city and county change district lines as happens um, every 10 years and the Missouri General Assembly prepares to convene on January 5th. As people of faith, we wanna start by grounding ourselves in scripture and prayer. We are thankful that board member, Reverend Dr. Sonia Williams will lead us in a time of reflection and I'll invite her to do so now. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be here. So honored and privileged to be here with you this morning uh, because I do believe that God is here in the midst with us and God is good. It's imperative that, you know, we look at this Exodus 3 story and look at Moses. And uh, as we begin to really think about uh, ways that we have wanted to look at freedom and liberation and how is it that we've been preparing in our life's journey? Is it freedom? Uh, maybe I should ask for whose freedom is it that we've been looking for? Even when there have been some provisions that are made uh, face the facts and state the truth, we are still suffering. And many of us know suffering. Uh, you've been called to this place and this moment, and it is holy ground. If you'll just take a few minutes, I know that we're at home and at work in different places, but if you would just take your feet and I want you to just kind of slide it across the floor. If you can't slide it, tap it a little bit. And I want you to feel that this is holy ground. I want you to remember and realize that Jennings is holy ground. That the corner of shame on you and this is a tragedy is holy ground that the blocks and neighborhoods ignored by political officials for the sake of gentrification is holy ground. Where the air quality is poor is, can you say it for me? It's holy ground. And where illegal dumping takes place is holy ground. The places where we welcome immigrants is holy ground. And, 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 and you have been called to this place, this moment and it is holy. Freedom is calling, liberation is calling. This moment in this Zoom box in 2021 in St. Louis, Missouri, it's calling. And we are called to see the bondage, called to see the suffering and the sorrow. Have you heard your people calling? Are you familiar with their pain? It is time for us to reveal the justice of God that is available in our community and in yours and in mine. Get ready for MCU is sending you and calling you. God is activating you to set the people free. Can you do it? Can you really help the people? Yes, for God is the great I am. Will you uh, introduce uh, yourself to the person in the next Zoom box? Go ahead. Uh, there is a, a blessing in chaotic mess sometimes. Go ahead. Uh, let's try it. Unmute yourselves and just say that I am, and then state your name. Go ahead. Try it. I am Sonia. Turn I to the box. Sister Dolores. I am Joe. I am Kevin. Susan. I'm I am Aisha. Yes, yes, yes. I am. Did you hear all of that power of God? I am Sonia. I am David. I am Jeff. Absolutely. There is a blessing there. And yes, the work is hard, laws, even family stand in opposition at times. But remember that I am, and I want you to often do this. I want you to place your hand on your heart and say that I am. And then state your name. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves who we are. 
So I am Sonia. I am the hands and feet of God. I am always with you. When you see the sorrow, when you see the pain, the need for liberation, remember that now is your time to answer the call. You are on sacred ground. You hear the call and now you are activate to liberate. Will you pray with me this morning? Holy one, bless us to be liberated, to liberate. Amen. And at this time, I will turn it back over to Jamal. Thank you, Reverend Dr. Williams. I appreciated the chance to, to be reminded that I am called um, to go to the Pharaoh sometimes with a word of liberation. MCU uh, did issue a call for your help uh, this summer. Uh, we had uh, um, a series of in-district meetings uh, that, um, that you responded by getting your congregations involved and in, in reaching out to elected officials. Um, some of you have probably read some books by uh, Reverend Dr. Carter Hayward, an Episcopal theologian and author. Uh, I put a few quotes there to remind us that in the beginning was the relationship and that God is our power in mutual relationship and the shape of, just, of God is justice. Um, so we said, can you have some meetings with your elected officials uh, for the sake of building relationships? and for the sake of gathering some information about the opportunities and threats that lie before us in 2022. So we had more than 20 of these in-district meetings, um, uh, specifically met with three state senators, 11 state representatives, one county councilwoman, four aldermen and alderwomen from St. Louis City Board of Aldermen and two Jennings council members. Uh, and um, we'll see which of your congregations that I know of uh, that participated in this. Uh, I may not have everybody uh, on this list, but um, I have the ones that, that uh, I was able to discern in the in-district reports that were submitted. So Blessed Teresa of Calcutta Catholic Church, Calvary Baptist, Centennial Christian Disciples of Christ, uh, Christ Community United Church of uh, Christ. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, that's Christ Church Maplewood that I was talking about there. Christ Community United Methodist Church, Church House Ministries, uh, College Church, St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church, Elliott Chapel Unitarian, Emmanuel Episcopal, Epiphany United Church of Christ, Ethical Society, First Unitarian, Gethsemane Lutheran, Mennonite Fellowship of St. Louis, Monument of Faith, New North Side Baptist, Oak Hill Presbyterian, Peace United Church of Christ, St. Cronin Catholic Church, St. Elizabeth Mother of John Catholic Church, uh, St. Pius V, and Trinity Episcopal. We do thank you for all the time that you put into that. Sometimes it took a while. Uh, sometimes getting an appointment with a legislator can take a while. Uh, I bet you some of you had to call more than once in order to uh, get, uh, get on that, that calendar. So thank you for the time that you invested in this. We met with Senator May, Senator Roberts, Senator Shoup, Representative Aldridge, Representative Berenger, Bosley, Brown, that's Paula Brown, uh, Representative Collins, uh, Mackey, McCreary, Person, Shaw, Wyndham, and Unziker. Uh, we also met with St. Louis County Councilwoman Clancy, Jennings Councilwoman Clower and, and Turner, uh, and then St. Louis Alderman um, Collins Muhammad, Navarro, Phil, and Todd. So that's who that we met with. You all brought your concerns as people of faith uh, and also the voices that you'd heard from impacted people because some of you had been knocking on doors and listening to folks about what was going on in their neighborhoods, uh, motivated by your dedication to care for creation and your love of your neighbor. Uh, you talked to these uh, elected officials about affordable, safe, accessible housing, about air quality, criminal justice reform, early childhood education, both the quality of it and the access to it, uh, gentrification, honesty and teaching about racism, illegal dumping, uh, exposure to lead, uh, both through uh, paint and through water, uh, Medicaid expansion. We, we passed Amendment 2 to make a constitutional amendment. And then in 2021, some of those legislators 
tried to, to find a way not to expand the program, even though we'd amended the Constitution. We were outraged about that and worried about whether they might try that again. Uh, we were worried about mold in substandard housing, uh, school suspension policies. Uh, a lot of our folks that have done the break the pipeline work uh, know uh, how that sets up kids uh, to, to eventually drop out and wind up incarcerated. Um, we had uh, speeding cars and residential streets that we talked about. Um, we heard reports of people who've been injured or even killed by speeding cars. Uh, we were, were concerned about uh, attacks on transgender youth. A number of the churches that participated were open and affirming churches or churches that participate in LGBTQ justice programs within their denominations. So they talked about that issue. Uh, we talked about vacant lots and the, the dangers uh, um, to health and safety uh, that's created by that. And then just the demoralizing effect of having your block look uh, like no one cares about it. Uh, we talked about voting rights, uh, especially um, attempts to make it where you have to have a photo ID, which is a, um, a, a much more di difficult situation than, than a lot of folks think to get a photo ID sometime or to keep access to one when if you don't have money to renew it. And then will we welcome immigrants? That was an issue that we talked about. We listened also to legislators about what they expected to have happen in the next legislative session. Uh, we, we were told that there's probably going to be a big attack on the petition initiative process, the way that we put that Medicaid expansion on the ballot by collecting signatures on petitions. Um, we have money to fight about <laughs> a luxury in the state of Missouri. We don't always but there's some federal uh, stimulus um, dollars that have come to our state because of the pandemic. Uh, and, and folks are very concerned about uh, the, the budget fight over that money. A lot of culture wars issues were named. Will we wear masks? Will we get vaccines? What about reproductive justice? Uh, there's a lot of talk about parental rights. Uh, and, and that's often kind of connected to this fight about what we teach about racism, uh, the, the so-called CRT uh, uh, battle or the 1619 battle, you'll hear those terms used uh, as folks fight about what can be said about racism. Uh, what about guns? Uh, will there be expansion of gun rights? And then a variety of, of gender issues, uh, including the transgender kids issues that I named earlier. Election year squabbles between primary opponents. Cinder Blunt is not running for re-election, so a whole lot of people are running for his office and below, and below that there are a variety of people uh, struggling to, to move up somehow, like maybe moving from a House seat to a Senate seat. So opponents will be clashing in the next uh, legislative session uh, as they try to soundbite each other. Uh, the lack of money for affordable higher education, um, more legislation attacking transgender kids. Um, uh, partisanship and polarization are causing some not to want to run again. They don't wanna to have to work in such a toxic atmosphere. Um, there's redistricting after each census. Uh, there's some concern that the maps won't even be ready uh, by the filing deadline, which is late February in Missouri. Uh, there's the unpredictability of the pandemic. Uh, how will it impact the economy, the budget, our health, uh, and then um, voting rights restrictions. So we heard all of that from our, our lawmakers uh, as to what might be going on next year in Jefferson City. We heard from them also about some of their priorities. Um, a ban on discrimination based on hairstyle and, and uh, hair texture, um, better drug policies and addiction treatment, ending corporal punishment, getting the lead out of drinking and cooking water at schools, more access to photo IDs without charge, reforming out-of-school suspension for kindergarten through third grade, restoring right to raise the minimum wage locally, an issue that was preempted a number of years ago, uh, smart sentencing policies and restorative justice, uh, funding for the Show Me Healthy Babies program, uh, tenant protections, and whistleblower rights. All of those things sound great, but I will caution you that most of those bills were described by minority caucus members. It's very hard to get a hearing when you're in the minority caucus. So even though those are things we want to applaud, it may be uh, that those things actually don't get to debate on the House floor the more access to photo IDs without charge was named by a member of the majority caucus is something that he wants to see happen. So hopefully we can hold him accountable to really make that happen. I'd just like to offer a bit of a caution. 
the process in Missouri is that the, the legislative session always starts on the first Monday, uh, the first Wednesday after the first Monday in January. But even before that, legislators can start to pre-file bills on December 1st. So there are hundreds of bills that were filed on December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd uh, in the House and in the Senate. I took a quick scan down through those uh, to see uh, what direction we're going. And unfortunately, uh, we all know that we're living under the dire consequences of oppression that has been uh, so predominant in our world. Uh, and a lot of these bills keep us headed toward disregard of health, safety, and the human dignity of our neighbors. Uh, after we won that expansion um, on the minimum wage and uh, on Medicaid, uh, we may not have the ability to put things on the ballot if legislators have their way about it, uh, because there are folks trying to take away uh, the right of us to, to petition things onto the ballot, or at least make it harder, that you have to pay more money to, to file your petition, or you have to collect more signatures in more congressional districts, making it, uh, it harder, or things have to pass by a supermajority uh, at the ballot box. So all of those would make it harder for us to make changes at times when legislators aren't listening. Despite the violence in our neighborhoods, legislators are uh, determined to expand gun rights and especially stand your ground. This is an issue that many of you are familiar with uh, because of the news out of Wisconsin recently where a young man uh, was found not guilty under a very broad stand your ground kind of, of bill and folks wanna duplicate that in Missouri. Um, even though we know as people of faith that the truth will set us free, some lawmakers are anxious for us not to tell the truth about the history of racism in the United States. And there's a number of bills about that that specifically name critical race theory and the 1619 Project as things that can't be taught in our schools uh, or describe uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of programming in a variety of ways to ban them from schools. Uh, and then even though many of us remember um, the struggle that secured voting rights, um, things like the attack on the, the bridge at Selma, uh, there are those anxious to limit the right of people to vote uh, and are trying to pass rules that would dis disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, so it's a time of grave danger, uh, as um, uh, Reverend Wendy said at the beginning, um, 2022 looks to be a very hard year. But we also know that there's energy emerging about some things that we can win together. Uh, we've been uh, canvassing door to door. Uh, we've been uh, meeting with personally impacted people. Uh, we've been talking in our congregations uh, and we've been talking with legislators. Uh, there are legislators who asked us to meet with them recently and, and with some ally organizations like the Great Rivers Environmental Law Center to talk about how to get the lead out of the water used for drinking and cooking in our schools. And legislation has been filed on that. Uh, we are continuing to sit at that table and want to build a campaign to secure that in this legislative session. It's a great time to do it because that federal money that I mentioned earlier can be used for this kind of thing, to address lead in, in our public schools or to replace pipes or to buy filters. Uh, and so this is the time to press for something like that. Uh, it's also a time where there's a lot of energy about stopping this illegal dumping. It's already illegal. So the question is, how do we strengthen that? Uh, we can do some things to the local ordinances and we can do some things with where money is put into the budget on this issue. Um, so uh, we want to mount a strong campaign on that. And we have um, uh, people in the right positions on committees at the Board of Aldermen to work uh, with us on that and on the uh, the Jennings uh uh, city Council to work with us on that. Um, there's some wonderful opportunities to expand expungement for formerly incarcerated people or for those who arrested were, who were never charged with a crime. We can make that automated expungement for many, which will really help them around employment, housing, and education. And of course, we want to restore voting rights for people. Um, uh, going to uh, prison should not ruin your chances uh, to have a successful life and ruin your your, uh, your ability to, uh, to vote, which is uh, just a, a core uh, human right. So uh, there are campaigns going on about that that we are connected to uh, and that we are uh, leaders for. And um, we are anxious to see progress made on that issue. Uh, and uh, we also have congregations that are, are having 
air quality monitors installed at their, their congregational site, uh, because we know the state of Missouri is not doing enough to measure particulate matter, we're going to take that into our own hands and own the data on it uh, by having air quality monitors that we can use uh, to tell uh, how safe uh, the air is that we, that we share in our neighborhoods. So there, those are some places where we have uh, energy emerging. We do this kind of work because we understand God's vision for the world. Um, and I've included um, you know, a couple of places that I go for inspiration when I'm trying to understand what it is, what it is that God would like us to do uh, around public policy in our world. Isaiah 65 you know, has a beautiful description uh, of, of uh, what the commonwealth of God would look like. Uh, Jesus in announcing uh, his ministry in Luke 4. Uh, has some great things to say. Stable housing, healthy food, not bearing children for calamity. Uh, that's an important phrase to me. Uh, we know that Missouri has very bad numbers on infant and maternal uh, mortality. Uh, we do not have to continue having a world in which children are born for calamity. Uh, the poor should have good news and the oppressed should go free. But we have an understanding of what God's vision for the world might be. And we want to press forward uh, for those things. So my question to you is, are you ready to work with MCU uh, to build power, to move toward God's vision? Reverend Sonia told you that, that uh, there's a call in today's, uh, today's meeting, a call to take action together. So we're going to learn next uh, where it is that we might look uh, to, together to use a tool uh, that can help us do that. So I'm going to hand off. Uh, to Reverend Wendy and to DeMarco uh, to uh, share with us about the Relational Voter Program. Thanks for the chance to give you this summary of what happened in the in-district meetings and uh, in the pre-filed bills. Reverend Wendy Brunner of PCC will be, uh, will be sharing uh, briefly uh, a little bit about uh, three phases of power and connecting to some of the dots. JMO just, uh, just touched on as well. I actually am going to talk about those um, uh, those three pieces of power, uh, and uh, they are to build a sustainable base, to demonstrate power, and to shift the narrative. And so I'm going to just talk a little bit about our, our experience at peace um, with that. And um, so I just want to start by saying uh, the work that we do takes time. So it was brought to my attention, somebody asked me how long I had been at peace, and uh, I uh, I just celebrated my sixth anniversary. So uh, I'll just say like, right, we're, the work is a long, a long-term work. So I want to just talk first about how to, how we worked at Peace to sustain a base. And I'll just tell you that that is actually where the work continues always, right? Because uh, we need to uh, make our base uh, larger. So um, the first thing I did when I got to Peace was to tell David Gerth to give me a year to um, build some trust and relationships with the people at the congregation I served. And so he did that, thanks be to God. And, um, and we began to have meetings. We actually spent a lot of time my first year really talking about how we would uh, participate with uh, Children's Defense Fund Freedom School, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but that took a lot of intentional work to, to get the congregation on board to do that. So building relationships, we began a justice group that met once a month, began to talk about what did it mean to uh, do justice in the world. After that first year, we invited, uh, I believe Susan, Reverend Susan Sneed was there at some point. Reverend David Gerth came at some point. DeMarco came. We had a lot of people, uh, pieces of thoughtful, thoughtful congregation. We like to think and talk about what we might do. And finally, uh, one among us, uh, Bob Carr said, let's make a decision and get to work. And so we became members of Metropolitan Congregations United, knowing that we needed to do this work and started gathering people together to um, be partners in MCU. So that's how we started building a base, doing the work, trying to educate ourselves and then getting people in to come and talk to us. And I'll just tell you that DeMarco is our point person. And so we uh, contact him a lot to ask questions and to uh, support us in the work that we're trying to do. So then I'll just say we were trying to figure out how we were going to uh, insert ourselves in doing the work. And issues came up almost immediately, right? Livable wage came up, Medicaid expansion came up, um, uh, Clean Missouri came up. 
And we began to do the work, right? So um, phone banking, that was a big stretch for us, but we had somebody come in and do the training. And then we did phone banking right there at the church. So that was a kind of the, the toe in that we began to do other things like signature um, signature gathering. That was a little harder for us, but the hardest piece probably for us was canvassing. Um, and we did all of that. And I will say that um, there's, there's the, the way we did it was, and this comes to the second part really is about shifting the narrative. And so let me, let me tell you how we included the congregation in doing those things, particularly around signature gathering. So when I first came to peace, we changed what we called announcements. So I'm talking now about shifting the narrative. How are we telling the story? So most people in your churches have a time for announcements, oftentimes at the beginning of the service. And I know this is going to sound really little, but it was huge, right? We moved announcements to the backside of the, the worship service so that we were sent out with the work. And we, we don't call it announcements anymore. We call it, how shall we join God's work in the world? It really became an action, right? How are we going to do the work? How are we going to do the work? And so from the pulpit and then from that area of the service about how shall we join God's work in the world, we began to invite people to do that work. And I'll just tell you, Kevin Prang, who is among us today, would stand up in the front of the congregation and say, I have a piece of paper that has 10 lines for signature gathering. I'm going to invite you to collect 10 signatures. And we really had a lot of people that just would go out and get 10 signatures. Other people would go all over the place, but you see how we're changing the narrative. Number one, we're saying this work is the work of the church. You're hearing it from the pulpit and you're hearing it uh, at the end of the service about how we're going to go out in the, in, the, in the world to do that. And so it became a huge thing. We had such great participation because Kevin made it uh, accessible to people. And, and pushed us outside of our comfort zones, but of course uh, made it as uh, made it so that it was it, it was something that people could do. Everybody could do that. One person walked around her neighborhood and got ten signatures just like that, right? And so the work is accessible to all of us. Uh, but I'll go back and say we need to continue to grow that base within our congregation uh, because we want to sustain the work. And so that work is all, we're always going to come back to that. I think one of the other stories I want to just tell really quickly about how we changed some of the narrative, and it has uh, to do with the Children's Defense Fund Freedom School. And I'm just going to tell you a story about that because I think it's really powerful because I would just say our children may not be able to vote, but they will vote at some point and their voices need to be heard. They know they need to know their voices are going to be heard and that their voices are really important. And that if we start out telling our children that they have a voice, that they are created in the image of God, that they can see themselves in the stories and the narrative that are told, that they are going to be powerful leaders, even as children. And let me tell you how that happened for us at Peace and how the children, kindergarten through second grade children, became leaders at Peace. So we had um, one of our classrooms had a, um, a loft space in it. So just to make more room, right? So they, the kids could run up the stairs and play up in the loft and they could be down the bottom and they had more increased space. Well, the children one morning, the scholars, read a book about a child who used a wheelchair. And after they were having a discussion about that, they made the decision as a group, this is kindergarten through second grade. They made the decision as a group that they would no longer use the loft space because it didn't matter that nobody, uh, that, that there were no scholars there that used wheelchairs in amongst them, but they thought that at some point there could be, and so that they were going to stand in solidarity with the children who, would, who used wheelchairs. So they did not use the loft space at all the rest of the summer. Um, and after the summer was over, uh, three people from the congregation went into that classroom and took the loft space down. Um, the children, the scholars got to see what was happening, that their voice, that their decisions, that their advocacy, that their work to change, literally change structures in our church building, those voices were heard and that they had the power to make change. That's a really powerful thing. And that's how we change the narrative. And so I think if we're thinking about how we can get our congregations involved in this way, the, those are some just very simple ways that we went about doing it very intentionally. We still have a huge amount of work to do because we want to increase the base that we have so that we can sustain the work. 
But those are some of the things that we did. That is what I would like to share this morning. And I'm going to hand it over to DeMarco. Um, and I just really value everything that PCCC and so many other congregations are doing throughout the greater St. Louis region. I wanted to share briefly some of the things and, and highlight uh, some of the places where Reverend Bruner shared about the three faces of power. We definitely like to get make sure that we are demonstrating our power with issues and actions. You heard Reverend Bruner share that uh, and, and, and even how it even uh, reality they're changing up the service, the worship service. Uh, building a sustainable base. Uh, it wasn't uh, Reverend Wendy standing at the front of the congregation asking or, or talk, speaking. It wasn't only Reverend Wendy. It also was other members of the congregation being involved, being engaged, and taking actions. Um, in fact, even uh, uh, amazing, uh, much much props to uh, Bob Carr of PCCC, took on a really heavy role in the Medicaid expansion uh, signature gathering uh, to where uh, he actually organized over 200 signature gatherers. So for the, you know, and that work came from the, the greater body of MCU as well. And then shifting the narrative, of course, uh, as you hear. So you hear, that's basically what we always want to focus on. And uh, MCU has been really busy, not just with the in-district meetings, um, but also uh, this year, we actually did do what we call transformative conversations. Uh, where we actually, or where we actually had really deep listening conversations uh, with close to 500 people across the Greater St. Louis region again, because uh, the next steps will be actually getting getting together uh, with with similar congregations uh, and trying to figure out what was heard, what you all heard in common uh, when you all did your industry meetings, uh, and where you all want to go next, and so we're gonna share something with you all quick, briefly as well. Um, so when we did our transformative conversations, we had over almost 500 people uh, engaged in this. And we asked the question, who or what informs you on election or voter issues that could have an impact on your community? So we were very, very focused on local, uh, where people were they arrested, where they voted. Uh, so when we asked this question, of course, a lot of people said, local TV news, you know, uh, some research, people say research, sometimes we would ask, what type of research are you doing? Uh, sometimes mailings, email, but the friends and family. And even when, even with social media, it usually still social media of friends and family. Uh, and sometimes, you know, local politicians, uh, organizations, things like that. Not really much radio. So, but friends and family. So we know, we recognize that people really care about who the message is coming from, uh, especially in today's times where so much disinformation. Uh, so it was really careful. And, but then also uh, one of the things that really stood out <clears throat> from this to us is when we, again, we asked this question over 500 people and only 16 people said church or clergy. Only 16 people out of almost 500 people uh, said that they church or clergy, they get information about voting issues or election issues. Again, about things that impact their community. So we're not talking about which candidate to vote for or which party to be aligned with. Mm -mm. We're talking about issues that impact their community. And this was a wide variety of people. So when we recognize that we are, we when we think about the faces of power, uh, are, are we demonstrating power? Are we changing the narrative? Are the narrative changing us uh, in this way? So what we want, what we plan on doing, what we recognize that friends and family, uh, social media, but mostly still friends and family, um, is really important. We actually will begin what we call a, relo a relational voter program. Our relational voter program is very simple. Is not complicated. Uh, it is about literally, uh, and we and we work with another organization, Empower Project organ, organization. Um, they are they are a nationwide organization. Uh, so Empower puts relationships at the heart of organizing. They leverage the power of personal relationships uh, to use a trusted messenger for your, your message. Reach people who are often left out of traditional outreach tactics. I want to reiterate that. Reach people who are often left out of traditional outreach tactics. 
how many people ever felt like even slightly frustrated um, when calling, making, trying to call these lists or knock on all these doors, and it'd be like these people were not even may not be on the list, or they may not even be, or they might have moved or something, right? Like it gets frustrating sometimes. Um, I know I've I've had the experience of making phone calls for an hour and literally only talking to maybe three people, but I have my phone with me and I can actually, um, I remember one time when I was trying to make phone calls, I just like, Hey, well, you know what? I'm making these phone calls to people, but I do not know, uh, through this phone bank, which is great, you know, still great work. Uh, but I have a a phone full of people that I do know. (laughs) So let me just send a text message to them, making sure. Um, cause I think the phone bank was doing like making sure people were, they, you know, make sure they were registered to vote and make sure they knew where they vote their polling place was. Uh, I sent out 10 messages. I got 10 messages back because there's people that are like, Oh, it's DeMarco. Right. It's, it was, so it, I sent it to people I knew. So that's one of the reasons why we really are attempting to, to work on, on reaching out to people who are often left out of traditional outreach tactics. Um, but then also build real power in a movement that is sustainable. I hope you all are recognizing the the, the word sustainable uh, beyond the next election. Uh, we also ask people like, what do you know? What are they interested in voting on later on? Right. Next election. We we do have trainings lined up for those who are interested in building this type of power. Uh, and, and I want to really focus on what Reverend Wendy shared. Uh, when she first shared, when she first started, she said that we did internal work first, internal, as in relating with the congregation within the congregation first. Had to see what they wanted to do, what they wanted to see, what what God was calling them to be, what their higher power was calling them to to, to be and do in the community that they are in. Uh, and and I, I I can't recall if Reverend Bruner shared this or not. Uh, but now PCC is one of the anchors along Lockwood, the the street that peace. Uh, since uh, where their property is at, where they're organizing now, they're organizing other congregations um, to build and, and build power and to actually impact the school boards and and other and make sure people attend and attend to vote. Um, I forgot the, the the percentage, but in majority of a lot of local races, the percentage is extremely low. Um, it's, it's it's like disgustingly low. I don't have any positive words about how low the voter turnout is for local elections. Uh, so this is one thing that we can actually utilize to increase voter turnout uh, around local elections. Less than 30 percent of Webster Groves actually show up. Uh, so that means less than 30 percent of Webster Groves is making decisions for the 100 percent of Webster Groves. That's and sometimes it's sometimes it's 15 percent. Sometimes it's 10 percent in certain communities, and neighborhoods. Um, and therefore, we believe and we think and we know uh, and we are trusting that congregations can be a place to one, build internal power, build, become closer together internally, but then also be able to connect with communities. Uh, and one of the ways they can do that is by building and developing relationships with their neighbors uh, and, and then being that, becoming a trusted source. And again, doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and we understand that because building relationships is also a powerful building uh, tool that takes time to build, of course. The next phase of, of today is uh, you all heard enough from us. You all are going to actually uh, get to be engaged uh, with one another to basically share what you've heard one from throughout today so far. So that's one. What have you heard from today so far? Two, it will be uh, what are you taking away from your industry meetings? Are there any similarities, perhaps uh, any main takeaways? Any big aha moments, things like that. So, one, take away from what we shared today, two, in district meetings. But then, three, three, the next thing we'll, well, we were asking people, uh, what type of commitment are you willing to make moving forward? We do have a US Senate race coming up. And we, and that will make a huge impact and decision on how things go for the rest of. 2022, 2023, 2024. And one of the other reasons I just want to throw this in real quick as well. Um, one of the other reasons why we are, are focusing on a relational voter program is one again, because of so much disinformation. Uh, and we are not we are, we are not telling people who to vote for, who not to vote for. 
we are asking people to understand policy enough um, to and how it impacts it, how, how certain policies impact our community. That's what we are asking. Uh, but when we're asking for the commitment of building power and where do you all want to go next or what is the next phase for your congregation as well? Hi, everybody. I'm Reverend David Gerth, uh, Executive Director of MCU. It might be a good time to put your hand back on your heart. Take a deep breath. Remember that I am uh, in the middle of suffering, experiencing it myself. I am fearful and wonderfully made. I am gifted by God to be in relationship with the people who are gathered here this morning. I am. So as we digest all of this and we get into these groups, take that with you. The report back will be just exactly what DeMarco said. We want you to be able to report back for your congregation. That will go in the chat, in the chat. But we're going to have three groups of congregations. And if there's one person from each group who can just give some highlights, Shannon Dickerson, one of our board members, will facilitate a debrief for just a few minutes. So have a two-minute report from the group. But each of you be prepared to give in the chat a report for your congregation. I hope you all enjoyed a generative discussion in your breakout rooms. We are going to take 10 minutes now to do some report out on um, your conversations. I'd like to hear a reporter from each group offer a two minute report out of the highlights of your time together. And be sure to tell us where was the energy in your conversation? What were people excited about? What was really, what was bubbling up? Uh, hi, I'm Alan. Uh, I'm from St. Louis Mennonite Fellowship. Um, there's a lot of energy just around hearing what is being talked about with so many legislators and what's um, happening that's all connected to MCU uh, and some recognition that even those who are more central to MCU sometimes don't know, you know, people who've been involved for a while don't know all, what's going on. Um, so heard excitement about hearing the issues now and a desire for more communication about that um, and sort of spreading that message more often. Uh, so, so we get pumped up a little more. Um, there was uh, some energy around um, some of the words that Pastor Wendy shared about shifting the narrative at her congregation and how we can take that to our own uh, and, and some struggles with how we build a base. Um, and I don't think I'm just projecting there, although that's something that is definitely true in my experience. Just really glad to know that legislators are connecting with people, um, hearing the specific issues that are important to some of those legislators was good, um, and finding ways to to build power. I don't know that we got to any like anything we can grab for right now, but there there was some connections made uh, between people who share some commonalities. You know, a couple different Catholic parishes. Um, you know, people said, oh, yeah, let's get together and talk about your experience that you had uh, with this thing. Um, and so that, um, you know, that's one example of, of some ways that people were able to connect. All right. Who else wants to share out or who else is going to share out? <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about needing to canvas both internally in our congregations to identify specific issues that people could put some energy into, and then also um, canvassing in our neighborhood, at least for First Unitarian, we've never actually canvassed in the church's neighborhood um, to find out what issues are important to the people there, because um, our congregation comes from all over. Um, but so in general, we talked about um, those kind of internal and external canvassing uh, to try to identify issues. Um, some of the ones that people felt there was energy behind were the environmental justice issues, specifically led in schools. Um, I think it's sometimes easier to get buy-in from a big variety of people when it's around children um, and youth. And uh, speaking of which, uh, the idea of youth leadership that um, I forget the reverend's name, uh, was Wendy was talking about, um, resonated with people. Um, and then that some of the congregations have some engagement infrastructure left over from the previous election that could be 
plugged into to try to re-energize that networking and um, relationship building. I think those were the main things that we talked about. Thank you, Lisa. Um, That sounds a bit like there's some overlap with what group three talked about as well. Um, Whoever from group three would like to share out. Um, So group three uh, found great energy around the portion of the Traco work that specifically was about the outcome of seeing possibilities in a landscape that once was very bleak, Um, that seeing some hope and some opportunity by organizing and a method for now getting people incentivized to be engaged. Um, We also found great energy around a calling that this work is the work of the church. And in that regard, we want to elevate the role of clergy and church in the uh, political landscape and be sure that people know whether they are our members officially or not, that they can count on the moral and civic leadership of our congregations and uh, energy around voting participation and really around the upcoming three opportunities to get people engaged before upcoming elections. Um, In response to relational voting programs in particular, much of our conversation was around creating our own holy ground geographically within a parish, neighborhood, or community, and connecting with the other faith communities within the vicinity to to build a stronger, broader relationship network amongst us, and that our canvassing and or our um, church work don't connect unless we already know our neighbors, already have relationships, then people will answer their door and stop and talk. And that's our goal. Um, I think that's it. We had some good conversation on housing, but I think that's not what we're asking for right at this moment, right, Shannon? Um, I think you can share out whatever you want to share out from what happened. Okay. Um, So with regard to environmental justice, housing in particular, all communities in the room struggle with gentrification and struggled with getting our people and representing a wider range of people in public proceedings in which decisions are being made about real estate development and housing in our districts. Um, and that we could do a better job of aligning um, and showing up in some force to support um, the neighborhood rather than the developer in the process. Thanks, Faith. I'm actually glad you shared that because I think kind of the tone of everything was a place-based, being really rooted place-based, whether it's in the neighborhood housing situation that's going on or getting to know your neighbors and whatnot. Thanks everyone for sharing out. I am going to uh, pass it to David. My job is to thank you, which I do. I'm actually deeply grateful for all the work that went into today and the work that led up to today and the commitments that are bubbling up even right now. But if I said thank you, it's a little bit more like you did something for me or even that you did something for MCU as a thing that is not actually yourself. What I really want to do is say congratulations, because uh, back in May, a couple of pastors, whatever we were trying to do, they didn't like it. They said we should do in district meetings. And that's when we started on this path. And you all have struggled along the way to actually get your hands around it and do it. But everybody stuck with it. And I think by the time we get to maybe even middle January, we're going to have 25 in-district meetings done and probably more than 25 congregations that have participated in one. So congratulations, first of all, for being willing to even think about doing it and then to actually do it. And then to do it meant build a team, figure out who the official is that you want to meet with, wrangle a time on everybody's calendar to actually do it, build an agenda and then actually have the experience, most of which were actually remarkable uh, and help people sense what power we have and what power we need. And the one that I heard about that was actually terrible was really invigorating for the people who experienced it because it helped them get very, very clear that they don't ever want that to happen to them again, to get treated disrespectfully by an elected official 
who was actually their uh, representative wow. in office. So congratulations for getting to here and for bringing all of the energy into this debrief and the imagination, the hope um, and the commitment for where we're going next. There definitely are priority issues that we have been working on through Break the Pipeline, our emerging environmental justice work, and now our even fresher emerging housing work. It's definitely in the guts of the folks who are on this call, which means it's in the guts and the hearts and the minds of your congregations and your communities. So I think we're on the right path. I wanna say just a little bit about a couple of next steps. Now, as I said earlier, what we've done today is actually setting the stage for what we're gonna do at our annual meeting in um, uh, on, on January 18th. Uh, we are still trying to figure out for sure whether we can do a hybrid event for that. So stay tuned after the first of the year, we'll send updates and registration information, but January 18th, six to 8.30. The reason I want you to hold that date is because you started imagining what it looks like to actually organize your congregation this year. So, so that event will be a chance for the other people in your congregation who are not here today to be able to show up and to get an introduction, get some of the energy that you all shared with each other today and, and to get launched onto some next steps. Those of you who, and it seemed like everybody loved this idea of doing a relational voter program with people that we already know, relational voter program is this, it's just the jargon of how we organize the people we already know. So we're setting up three orientation training sessions, late January, early February. Hold those dates. We'll keep getting more detail around those. Um, and so uh, as you start building your teams out, you can just start plugging them into those next events so that you can build your own congregation plans together with a little bit larger team. I think the most important thing here on the 4th of December is not to wait to start until January 4th or 3rd or 12th, but to just have some initial conversations with the folks who you think are gonna be interested and let them know January 18th, I'd like you to come with me to the MCU event so you can hear what we're gonna do. I'd like you to think about one of these three dates where we can build our team and go learn how to actually use the relational voter program tool. Have those initial conversations now so that you're ready to get going after the first of the year.